Hi, this is Wendy, and welcome back to Overexposed. This episode was a live recording of our Toronto event that we held in October of 2019 in partnership with Timbuktu. Our guests on this episode are three influential Toronto creatives who have backgrounds in art direction, photography, as well as publishing. You'll be hearing about how they got to where they are today and their advice for those who are looking to get a career in the creative industries. There's so many amazing insights packed into this episode, so really hope you enjoy. First of all, we have Ryan right next to me. Ryan is a professional photographer who has traveled around the world working with the likes of Apple, Uber, Spotify, Red Bull, just to name a few. Um, small companies, I don't know if you guys heard of them. <laughs> his, his work has been published in... Excels. Excel. Oh, very cool. Uh, his, his work has been published in Vice, Toronto Star, Fortune, and Billboard magazine. So for all you photographers out there. Uh, Colin is an art director graphic and graphic designer at Penguin Random House Canada. He has experience working with a variety of different creative departments on a diverse amount of projects, including editorial design for print and web, event marketing, branding, packaging, and e-commerce. And last but not least, we have Lindsay on the very end right there. And Lindsay is an art rep artist representative at JK Reps, an agency that represents an art-based group of Canadian photographers and artists from still life to conceptual for corporate and cultural brands. Whenever I hear accomplishments like all of yours, I'd like to start back in the beginning and ask, uh, what was your first job in the creative industry? I guess we'll start right here. You can think all the way back. Your first internship, your first... Um, kind of any job relating to creative field. So uh, it's Ryan here. Um, honestly, it was um, an internship with Dose.ca, which no longer is with us. It was uh, one of the first kind of like online like magazine-esque editorials that was actually done with uh, the National Post, and that's where it was based. Like the National Post is like really ugly office. The one that was up on like what was like North York area was terrible. Felt like a prison. Anyway, um, yeah, it was dose. It was uh, it was cool. It was like, like entertainment, but the whole thing was like taking kind of a light, more modern. I guess you would call it, you know, like that kind of you know, jest of like celebrity culture that we live in, but with that. And did you do photography for them when you started? Oh, sorry, no. Uh, I'm actually trained as like, a writer originally when I like really got my start. Um, so I did all the schooling programming for um, like English and journalism, and then was actually doing my traveling, and that kind of led into. Um, the photography, we'll get probably get into that, but it was actually with writing uh, with Dose originally. Uh, so I started at a custom publishing company uh, back in Boston. I was an intern. Uh, I kind of finagled my way in uh, during my like, sophomore year of university, and uh, pretty much was just like glamorized, uh, doing tear sheets and, uh, you know, photocopying and occasionally like laying out the crossword at the back of the magazine essentially. <laughs> uh, but you know, humble beginnings, I guess. And it was really, it was valuable and really helped me kind of create a career path in Boston and up here, so. Um, I actually, funny enough, started in a rental house. Um, my goal when starting in this rental house was to A, learn a little bit more about beer, understand every component of it um, and then it led to me making some really great contacts which was part of my other goal was, okay let me get in let me mingle with the best in the business and see what's going on and 
um, through providing service for them, um, I actually got offered a position at another production um, slash agency, and I went over there as a, a first assistant to uh, a photographer on their roster, and uh, was there for, for a couple months, um, and it kind of led me to believe that shooting wasn't necessarily my forte or, or my calling in life, so to say. Um, and so after leaving there, I made a couple calls, and, uh, and by make a couple calls, I mean hound, um, and uh, found the position that um, I'm in now, and uh, started off in production, and kind of moved my way to the industry that way. And as you were talking earlier, one of the themes I found was kind of the idea of, we reference like the Devil Wars product, for those of you uh, who have watched that movie, especially in the creative industries, kind of that hustle, and it's not like, oh, you go to a um, university, and then you go through their school portal and get kind of a nine to five. So um, how do you feel the hustle has kind of like even changed over the years from how you guys um, started versus, I guess, what, what you guys have seen, whether your interns or people you I've actually, I elevate this now. It's not the hustle, it's the obsession. If you really, 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 really want to do this, you always have to obsess on it. And I say that seriously. <laughs> like, it's the, you're up late, you know, focusing on a photograph or something that worked well and why, you know, to try to figure it out as an example. But there's a real, like, it's past hustle. Like, it's, you, like, you know what I mean? Like, when people say hustle, I, like, I know we get it, it's a good phrase word, but what does it mean? You know, working your ass off, of course, that's always been there, but to really elevate, to really get there, to really want it, you just give it all. I guess term, like, term hustle kind of turns into more of a buzzword. Yeah, loses its, yeah, loses its value. Oh, a little bit, but like, we all get what it means, but in my opinion, like, when you're really, really hustling, that's it, you're, mm -hmm. you're full on. Yeah, just to speak to Ryan's point, I, I agree. I think it almost becomes, as you said, like an eat, sleep, breathe it. Um, the creative industry is, as you said, not a nine to five. It's, you know, it's, you're only as good as your last job. And, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. So um, I think you have to be completely um, and thoroughly passionate about what you do because the hours are long, you know, you're, and it's very easy to, hit those rough patches where you're like questioning why exactly you started as you're staring at your screen at 1am putting a pre-pro deck together, questioning all your decisions. But I think for me personally, it's when I see every aspect of the pre-production kind of come to life and I see my artists thrive in what it is that their niche is, it's like that, that makes it worthwhile. So to say, I almost compare it to, I don't have any kids, but I compare it to um, what moms always say where it's like, oh, you know, the labor was so painful, but in the end you forget all about it because you have this beautiful baby at the end. And I kind of view um, our projects and our roster as that. It's like, you know, we hit patches. Sometimes some jobs are um, a lot more trying than others, but the payoff is worth way more. Yeah, echoing what they both said on the design side of things is just being prepared to fail and fail often, especially when you're first starting out. I mean, there were many times, even though I consider myself a somewhat humble person as an intern, where I was like, I think I finally nailed it on you know third or fourth try, and then taking to the art director or the senior designer, and then just being like, nope, this isn't working. Give it another shot. You know, here are the reasons why, and you know. It's, it becomes really humbling and uh, really valuable experience. So, you know, just be ready to 
give it your all, but like constantly mm -hmm. and uh, don't get too discouraged when it's maybe not the easiest, you know, to continue to keep doing it. But. Totally. And following on that point of like the hustle and the obsession, especially in the creative field, uh, how do you balance that with um, your everyday life? So I know like for me, I do photography as well. And sometimes you kind of work so hard on something. Like how do you balance that with self-care and not being able to kind of burn out? Because there is that fine line of kind of working yourself so hard, but um, kind of hits the peak at some point. I think I uh, I kind of thrive on, on the the work um, and and going on those long hours that I almost call it uh, when we're in the middle of production and I'm overseeing things uh, it's almost coming off of a production hangover as I refer to it because you you're just it's so involved with it and I think because a lot of what I do crosses over to my personal life and I have a lot of friends that are in the industry as well that you know I just kind of. I guess, enjoy that downtime and try to take that downtime and just be okay with doing nothing. But then I think the spark in me is like, okay, I'm ready again. <laughs> let's go. Like I've had two days to recover. I'm good. Let's, let's keep going forward. So it is a balance for me, but as I said, because it crosses over it, I don't really see the difference in it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, design's kind of, I work for a book publisher now and when I want to relax, I kind of want to read a book or I want to cook and cook from a cookbook. So it's inevitable that you'll be around it all the time and kind of reminded of the work that you do. But, you know, I can leave that at the office and then, you know, I still get to enjoy, I don't do too much freelance work outside of work, but what I do, when I do, it's usually for friends or whatever, it's something I really want to enjoy and take time and care with. And uh, so it's, even though it's work, it's still design work, it's something that's a little bit less stressful and a little bit more, you know, enjoyable and relatable to my personal life. So that's how I kind of deal with that. Mm -hmm. uh, first off, it's all about like self-love and taking care of yourself. Um, from my perspective, I'm actually a newer, newer dad. So I have a year and a half old son slash Hellion uh, that I love very much named Miles. Um, so with him, it's like, it's honestly, it's a balance and it's like anything it's, and you find your time, you enjoy it that much more and you make your work that much more like, you know, with more purpose or whatever you may want to call it. Um, and I find when you really are kind of balancing it and you feel the pocket, you're not always in the pocket, you rarely are, but when you are, it's right, you know, it, you're kind of always going for that. And, but I think, yeah, it's kind of symbiotic. It's kind of finding that balance. Um, and it was always that way. I always said that even in college and university, like getting, just, you know, being social and then, you know, doing well in school, so, you know, keep your grades up and then, you know, maybe chasing, you know, a, a love interest or something like that. You know what I mean? Like kind of keeping all those balls in the air and, and, and making it work. And, and the last thing is, is cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> cannabis helps. <laughs>
be able to be a photographer, you know, honestly, in that, in that world, because I understood the business, I understood the social media, I understood more. I'm not saying I understand it far from, can we swear? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Okay, fine. <laughs> I, I know where, you know, but it means, what I mean is it taught you the discipline, you know, being on time and, and, and just showing up for, you know, a, a proper meeting and not being an ass and, and really caring and showing that to like literally, so I was probably more mature. Like they say, like the average male doesn't mature until 45. And <laughs> let me be an example. So with that though, then, and as my photography got better and better, it was only because of the two could kind of work together. And I had that, that background and that, again, that, maybe that hustle, the obsession was very clearly there. Um, and then it, then it then became a possibility for me to be a perfect, like a full-time photographer. I guess, Lindsay, um, you've worked with, I guess, artists on the other side. So is there something, is there like a specific demand that you see when you look for um, kind of artists or photographers? Um, well, speaking for, for the roster, it's always something unique. Um, we tend to look for something different. Um, some call it a bit odd, out of the box. Um, but I think that's what um, the agency has always stood for. And... It's important to us and we we've seen changes and you know we've had to adapt to things um but i think with that being said we've stayed true to that and you know what it's worked to the success of the business for over two decades so um we just kind of keep on that same path and colin you also do like you are an art director right now but you also have a design background yourself yep. And do you find that helps when you're working with, like how does that help with when you're working um, on the other hand and you're, you're on the other side and you're uh, kind of working with these graphic designers? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I came from an editorial uh, design background, so I've gotten to work with awesome people like these guys on my side, uh, working in magazines and transitioning into uh, book publishing. It's a kind of a notoriously frugal industry. And uh, that was one of the struggles that I, uh, experience four years ago when I moved into it uh, was trying to figure out like, you know, here's our end product, whether it's, you know, the book cover or it's the ad campaign supporting the final product is how do I, with my experience of seeing how a photo shoot is produced and um, create all like artists created, how do I now do that almost on my own essentially uh, within like an in-house department and uh, so I, you know, have had the opportunity very rarely in my current role do I have the opportunity to like work outside. So I've had to kind of work reversed my process of like, how do I now do this on my own? So it's that experience working with really great photographers and art, you know, art directing them and working with producers that I'm able to kind of now reverse engineer it and do it on a very, very non-existent budget uh, uh, to produce hopefully something really great. So it's a bit odd, but it's been really valuable for me and the experience that I, the board I need to do for Penguin Random House. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like uh, sort of a cross-pollination of ideas where you right. take, I guess, your storytelling background and tie it to photography and then your design background and kind of using it to help your current role. And do you feel like it's important nowadays to be uh, as versatile as you can in the industry or is it better to kind of focus on one thing? get really good. I, I can speak as someone that's commissioned people. We're always, our budgets are getting tighter and tighter. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, I've worked at magazines where I've had decent budgets, but even over the course of two years, you see that get smaller and smaller. 
And, you know, obviously, if you're doing print, digital, doing social uh, work, and ultimately, you need to find someone that can do all three of those things, uh, video, you know, print, and even, like, some sort of animation is great. Uh, I'm sure you can probably speak more to that, but on our end, it's always, yeah, this is what we need to accomplish. You know, publishers are always like, we need to produce more content, and this is the budget you're working with, and it's typically getting smaller and smaller, um, which I know is frustrating for everybody, because, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately we just want to produce the best product we can, the best art we can, uh, but, you know, Sometimes reality is a budget. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's a very real reality. We were joking about earlier where I was actually, I'm not going to name the publisher, but we were going back and forth about doing a book cover. And I, like, the, I quoted over like $250, and they're going in another direction, and that's fine. <laughs> like, books, I'm sorry. Oh, so sad. You dodged a bullet, I'm sure. Um, I'm always of the mind of thought of like, what, what works for you, honestly? It's, everyone's a little different, um, and my path is different, and I always say that too, like we were talking again earlier about just keeping all your paths open with, you know, whatever, I started writing and then ended up in photography, you know, of course there's still both storytelling, but there's a lot of differences and a lot of different things within within both those fields, but it's really about what what is your journey, and you know, like a lot of people here probably have had changes of careers and this that, or maybe even thinking about a career change. And I'm always like, just fuck, just go for it. Like, actually, one of my favorite things to say now is like, <clears throat> and not not to boast, but just to show how crazy I am. Like, bought a house in Toronto, had a kid, and quit my full time agency agency job within five months. That was like two years ago, and I'm never looking back. You know what I mean? Like, just like if you're gonna do it, like just just. Freaking full. Fully commit, yeah, right? yeah. Honestly, like you know, I'm, I'm in my thirties now. Like I got no other excuse. Like whatever, you know. Like let's just figure it out. And, and again, I'm not looking back. Like it's it's been a beautiful ride. And but again, I think that's a lot of like the work you put into it to get to that point. And yeah, from speaking on my end, I think it is a mix of you know we do have photographers that have that niche and were hired for specific jobs or their specific look. Um, however, you know, the times are changing and it's, uh, talking earlier, it's no longer, okay, we're shooting two shots today and that's it. It's now, okay, we need 10 shots. We need two 15 second spots. Oh, we need a gift. We need this and that. So it's, the ask is changing. And with that, um, I think photographers coming out or in this, or find themselves in the industry already have to kind of adapt. Um, it's the same when, you know, film was moving its way out and digital was coming in. It was kind of that moment of, okay, either I make this move or I figure out something else because this is where it's going. And I think that's where photographers are at right now where it's, okay, how can I be an all-encompassing creative person? Does that mean that I am shooting it, doing the edit, you know, creating sound, um, coming up with a creative deck, what exactly does that mean? And I think uh, just speaking for especially the kids coming out of school um, from these creative programs and photography programs, I think it's more of that. They are, um, so to say, a triple threat. They can kind of do it all and, and do it solo. So having an understanding of that kind of allows you to have a full vis vision. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very different from 
you know, ones that have been in the industry a while versus ones that are just coming out. They're kind of in different places during this difficult time of figuring out what's happening creatively. So I think it's up to each person to kind of find their own path, so to say. But it is a mix and it's, it's working both ways. Mm -hmm. For sure. And speaking on that topic of kind of the type of work that you do, they say that people are bombarded with like tens of thousands of images every day. So in each of your stress through the field, um, can you speak on the importance of kind of making meaningful work and how to create things that will make an impression on people in the midst of, I guess, now like the Instagram society and kind of like the quote unquote clout? <laughs> yeah, I think what we tend to do is we look at a creative, we look at an image or an idea, and it's more so how do you elevate that? Rather than just take it for what it is and create exactly what's there, it's like, okay, let's let's collaborate, let's see how we can make this even better, even bolder. Um, you know, and, and I think when you work and collaborate with creative people and everyone's after that same goal, it is possible. It's just everyone has to kind of work together and bring what what they bring to the table and bring their A-game to it, and I think anything is possible to elevate it, and that's kind of always been my mindset as well. It's, okay, this is great, but how do we how do we go bigger and better? And especially for, like, I guess, looking at artists that you work with, is there something that, like, I guess from your past experience, something that, like, really stood out to you and that separates, I guess, a good photographer and artist from kind of everyone else? A lot of it comes down to the technical aspect of it, too. Um, it's you can be great at a lot of things. It's like, but can you ex can you execute and can you tell a story with your imagery? And I think having that allows you to kind of separate as well. Um, and and you know, I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of artists that are able to do that, and and that's what they bring to the table. Uh, well, in my field, I mean, both with magazines and book design, we're we're hopefully enticing people to you know take time from their busy lives to like sit back, relax, and learn, enjoy uh, a story essentially. And so, um, you know, when working with you know whether it's an illustrator or a photographer for you know an editorial spread, you know you want they've already have the magazine hopefully in their hand or they have the book in their hand and they're flipping through and you want that art to be kind of the touchstone to like make them stop flipping the page and that entry point into whatever that story is, whether it's you know a photo essay or it's a restaurant review, um, you want them to kind of just stop what they're doing, like find what they were looking for that story in that that time to sit in that moment to sit down and relax. Um, so you know I think it's just really you know it's always important to think about you know. You've already gotten them hooked, hopefully, on the fact that they're going to be reading. And now it's like, well, now you have to aid in the storytelling and help them see the narrative that you're wanting them to experience. So. Absolutely. Totally. Like, that's the best thing about design, too. It's like, you know, what's the image that's going to capture somebody's, you know, eye? What's the title that's going to make them read a little bit more? And then what's the lead that's going to make them dive in? Like, that's one of the best things about good design is making that work on all fronts. But what I wanted to say is a good photo is arresting. A good photo stops in your tracks and makes you feel something. Like, when, like you know, everyone knows Stephen Curry's, like, Afghan girl, right? Like, that burgundy scarf and those, like, piercing green eyes. It, like, stops you. It makes you feel something. And that was always kind of the, you know, everyone always talks about the pages, like, National Geographic and the Younger. 
and good, rightfully so. That's that's the cliche for me too. I love like I love flipping through those and then stopping at a photo of another culture that I saw that I was like, what? Like I my little you know twelve year old mind is just blown. And that's what I think it, that still matters today in an Instagram world and, and this and that. Like a good photo will still stop you from scrolling. You'll look at it a little longer, maybe focus, and you'll read the caption. You'll kind of explore it a little more. But that's what good art is. That's what really you know it's something that makes you feel. That's always I think the goal you know if it doesn't make you feel good it doesn't make you feel bad you know and that's the thing with a good photograph too like you know it might be a bummer but you know that that child that died in Syria that, that little boy that what they even washed up on the shore that photo like stung around the world and people actually talked the next day more about what's actually going on in Syria like, that's the power of a photo like more of that I hope in our you know society that you know is about you know nice lip liners and this and that which you know has a market you know around Queen Street but there's more need for stories and a good image you know, when we have the right, you know, possibilities to make something matter. Um, it, it comes through in, in good photos, I always find. And Ryan, your photography work spans from like weddings to editorial to events. Um, I saw you running around at Juno's and I was, uh, we were just talking about it earlier, how the photo pit at Juno's is crazy. You kind of have your own spot and you're just like elbowing as soon as the first celebrity comes in. Um, so you do that, but also kind of going around the world and taking photos. Um, I think I saw your work with Demi Lovato as well, which is awesome. Um, is there something, since you work with so many different genres, is there something that you always look for when you're taking a photograph? Like, obviously in hindsight, you kind of see, oh, this is what makes you stop, but in, throughout the process, is there um, something that you kind of look for when you're always taking photos? Honestly, you get, you get lost in it. You, that's that's the goal, just lost in it. Like, being that little kid with wonder, you know? I remember the first time I ever came to Toronto, when I was like 12 with my grandpa, and it was a misty day, and we walked up Young Street and got fake lost and ended up at the Hockey Hall of Fame. But it was always that looking up and that, you know, wonder in my, you know, I mean, it's that, that feeling. And then, you know, I'm, I'm very privileged to be able to travel in the world and the things I get to do, and I'm very clear and know that. But whenever you tell those stories from places, you know, say like South, South Africa, I just did this big, you know, post in the story, you know, that I caught of this woman that lost her husband that um, now makes the, the beer for her, like, lo for her local, she goes, she bean, and this is the local, like, beer, and it's like, she wants, like, a yellow flag on her house to, like, notify people they have a new brew. It's like, you know, Woodhouse beer in South Africa. It's like, really awesome. Anyway, um, where was I going? Right, right. It's the moment, honestly, you, get, you try to get lost in the moment as much as possible. And like when you have a camera, exactly to your point of like the Junos, you're just trying to capture moments. And the one thing I'm very lucky with, and thank you to the Junos, is let me go backstage. And I was joking earlier that all the press get mad because they have to be stationed on this like little box and you're like literally like elbowing each other. And like there's one glimpse of like, you know, Shania Twain, you know, and it's like, shit, like it's just hard, it's hard. Stuff, but it's like when you get those opportunities to go backstage and then you see like Corey Hart, like you know, crying emotionally or something going on. Like, like that's the that's that's what you want, that's what you look for, that's what you chase. And um, it's it's the tenacity to go for it too. And like, that's one thing I'll always say is like, just if you have the opportunity, if you know, if the security guard is standing there and you know what you look like you're doing, just keep going, just nod, just keep going. It, it does work. Yeah, I have a beard. But it does work. Like you just, just know what you're doing. You're just gonna keep walking, and you're gonna get the shot. And just get in those rooms when you can. Honestly, it's like the 
it's better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. We're, we're creators, of course. Like, they're not going to pay us properly, at least try to get something out of it. I think that there is this kind of more handcrafted, tactile feel that is, you know, very popular and effective and beautiful. and has found its place currently. Um, so I'm always interested in finding new people that have different styles and um, uh, different techniques that haven't been seen before or haven't seen before. So, um, so I definitely think there's like a swing back to this kind of more handcrafted and analog type of aesthetic. Sure. And I guess the last point um, I want to touch on is, I guess, all of us being here in the city of Toronto. Um, how, what's, it, like, inspires you the most about the city, and what can we do better to support creatives here? I love this city so much. Um, this city has supported me. That's that's the thing. I will give this city all of its freaking credit, you know, like, step aside, Drake. Um, <laughs> This city is good to creatives. I think, you know, this is our, you know, never, will never be the New York, but this is where everyone comes from across Canada to make it and media and, you know, you know, Vancouver, Montreal, and way more beautiful cities and have a lot of amazing things going on. But Toronto is where, where it is, it's where media is as well. Um, when this city is alive, like, that, I actually went out and photographed the night we won um, the Raptors, uh, the championship. I, I think it was one of the first times I ever felt like the electricity of the city like, truly like the first time seeing the city again. You know, that real, like, everyone was alive. Everything was going on. It was crazy as hell, like, right down at like Queen and uh, Young. Like that's when everyone was on the buses and the Fern guy was there. I was going through those photos and like, I was talking to somebody like Fern guys in one of the photos I was looking at. Um, but the, that, 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 like that, that energy, that feeling, and, and Toronto does that all the time. It, it excites. Like TIFF was really fun this year. I had a really good time at TIFF, and just a lot of fun, like good energy, and like that happens a lot in this city. And I, I think and hope like the, a lot of artists do get their you know share. And like, yeah, it's competitive. But good work should always be competitive. Like I hate to say it, but fuck, like we gotta work for it. You know what I mean? But. When we're when we're alive, when the city's alive, it supports each other, and that's that's a beautiful thing too. Like and, you know, everyone's here. Like thank you for being here. Like that's again art supporting art. Like that's that's a beautiful thing. And Toronto always does that. And thank God, thank you, Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, I mean, I'm a recent-ish transplant. Mm -hmm. uh, so I moved from Boston four years ago up to Toronto, and uh, you know, it's a, a better sports team city. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bruins, what? Boston, Red Sox, who? What? No. Uh, yeah, I don't care about sports. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it is, coming from Boston, it was a great place. I, you know, had a great university experience and started my career there, but moving to Toronto, it's just, it's incredibly diverse city and creative city, and it was just a welcome refresh after spending 12 years mm -hmm. in one place. And I think it does not even Boston, it's just any place. If you're in one place for too long creatively in an industry, I think, you know, you just get tired and bored a little bit. And so it was a nice jolt of energy. And, you know, I knew no one here. So, you know, the first four months was just like me going out and trying to network with people and trying to interview places. And, um, but yeah, it's been a wonderful place. It's, lovely and happy to be here and I think it's uh it's motivated me to be you know it's a like you were saying a much more competitive environment uh it forces you to really kind of work hard and you know to really kind of establish yourself a little bit more and yeah and welcome the challenge and it's been great
Yeah, I've actually uh, born and raised here, so um, I've been here the entire time, and I absolutely love the city. And I think, you know, when you compare it in the industry sometimes to um, other large cities, you know, Toronto doesn't always get as much credit as we deserve. I think we have a great pool of talent here. Um, you know, to speak to both their comments, yes, it is a hustle and you have to be um, extremely aggressive, but I think that's to be said with any large city in any aspect of the arts in general. <laughs> it's uh, it's always like that, and I think everyone here can attest to that. Um, you know, I came from a dance background, which was just as competitive, into um, this photo uh, industry, and... I've always said that as long as I'm in the arts, I think I'll be fine. <laughs> it's just I, I couldn't do anything else. And, you know, we have a great pool here. It is a small industry, which at times, yes, has its downfalls. But I think because it is such a small community that there is a lot of support. There are a lot of outlets. There are a lot of groups. Um, and I think everyone, I can speak for just the photo industry and, and the people that I that I work with on a regular basis. Everyone's supportive of everyone, whether it's another photographer going to someone else's exhibit to show their support. They're, you know, everyone's after just being the best they can be. And I think the more positivity you bring to that, the more successful you'll be. You know, the negativity just kind of bogs you down and listening to those comments and getting that in your head also stops yourself. We were talking about this earlier that a lot of times you are your biggest obstacle. There is no one else stopping you. It's just those voices in your head telling you that, oh, you know, that's too big. That's not possible. These people will, won't support you. And I think once you get past that, um, and I've experienced that myself, you know, not having self-doubt. And I think everyone on a daily basis kind of sits and wonders if they're doing the right thing, especially in those really trying times during work. Um, but I think if you stay true and you work hard, the city is great and there's always support. Yeah, especially with like, a lot of initiatives down here. Um, I guess most of you like live, I guess, no, all of you kind of live and work downtown and uh, just being able to grab inspiration from like wherever you go is very special. Uh, so thank you, our panelists, for sharing your stories. Um, I just wanted to open up to the floor for a few minutes uh, if anyone has any questions. Hi, yeah, I need to project your voice. Oh, thanks <laughs> for your, your microphone. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, personally, because I've been in the industry for so long, you know, there are times where I've been like, oh, shit, something has happened. I've done something, you know, or something went wrong. I once published a photo of a fever that wasn't actually a fever. <laughs> but anyways, that was one of those oh shit moments. Um, but I think those are so great because you always learn from it. You grow. Um, do you guys have anything like that that you can share that, you know, that, that you saw the outside of it? Um, actually, in college, kind of similar. I, I want to know what the animal was, first off. Actually, what, what was the animal? It was, um, oh, it was called a... Uh, a koi bear or something like this. It was they migrated from this the south <laughs> to the north. Like a capybara, like from like no, the no, Brazil. No, not, not the big ones. It was something else. It was um, it was a cross between a beaver and like a rat. So they didn't have like a beaver tail, but they were very similar. Like they had everything, all the other traits of a beaver, and they were in North America. So yeah, <laughs> it was a beaver. Fantastic. And we had a writer who who called us on. Oh, there's always the, you know, those people, the, the trolls of trolls. Um, with, oh, you're going to fail and fail. Like a, you can't say this, like, you're going to fail. Like, fail fast. Like, in, you know, enjoy failure. Honestly, you're going to have to. Like, 
you know, you get rejected all the time, you know, embrace it. Um, but actually, when I was at Sheridan College, I love to tell a story because Steve is my, one of my best friends now. Anyway, the publisher of a magazine there called Travis, which was a portmanteau of Trafalgar and Davis put together, Travis, you know, cool. Anyway, that was a magazine, and what <laughs> they were supposed to run an article. I had written, you know, a very impassioned article about why elections matter or some fucking trivial bullshit that we all write in college. Anyway, they were like, yeah, got it. It was with the illustrator, like, you know, drew it up, whatever. You know, the magazine comes out. I'm so excited, bushy-tailed. You know, like, when a, book, when a book comes off the press, it's the best thing in the world. Like, you were so excited. There's sex and there's this. But when when, when the magazine came out and we flipped through it, there was no, my article wasn't there. And there was a whole page where they just used lorem ipsum, which is Latin bullshit filler text that any designer would know. <laughs> And I wrote an impassioned article, or sorry, email to like the boss of like, what the fuck kind of publication is this? Like, how dare you not like have my like my written words in there? Anyway, I uh, through that I actually got like the editor in chief job and like changed it and became best friends, and that was really a big part of like, my growing up. And you know, embrace failure, embrace other people's failures as well. Yeah, I mean, there's everyone has those stories. Uh junior designer going to press for a custom, so I was a custom publisher, so essentially we were doing magazines for corporations, like their, whether, so I was working on Continental Airlines in-flight magazine, I was brought on to be one of their designers for that. We had a whole process, there was a senior designer, an art director, I was the junior designer. I, we used supplied art because, as I was saying earlier, as budgets get smaller, you become reliant on supplied art from vendors and all that stuff, and I had, what I thought was a high enough resolution image to be like full page after everything had been approved by the clients, sign off on everything internally, all the editors, and we're going to press and like pre-flighting it and you're getting like the warning that shit, this is like, you know, 30 DPI <laughs> and like we're going to press like the next day. And I just remember it was all my doing, just like forgot to like check the DPI when the image came in and so we got yelled at and turned bright red, and the, thankfully we were able to like get a high-res supplied image from the whoever we were sourcing it from. But like that moment of like, holy shit, this is all my fault. I know I should be looking at every, I should be opening up every file in Photoshop, and you know you have those moments throughout your career, but like. I now never forget to open up every fucking file before I place it in anything. And it'll be ingrained in my head. I remember just feeling like that redness in my face and just like the disappointment in other people. And you think your world's gonna end, but it really didn't. But, you know, so now I, you know, that was, I think, the most traumatic and like stressful for my first year out of the university and then on the job. So, yeah. Check your file. Convert them to CMYK. Also, <laughs> don't leave margin. I think in um, production, there's always screw ups um, from people not showing up because you sent them the wrong call time or misgaging how long a shoot will take, and now you've run into double overtime and having to have that conversation with the client, um, underquoting because again you misgage. These are all things that you learn along the way. Um, 
I once had to find a hotel room that would house uh, mountain lions in their parking lot. <laughs> um, so that was an interesting conversation because I didn't think of that. And I was like, where, where are they going to park this trailer with things clawing in the trailer? I'm like, it's an interesting conversation I'm going to have to have. But I think the first thing is, is ownership. You know, just say, yes, I've messed up. We're all humans. We misgage. But um, yeah, it's being like, okay, I've realized I've made this mistake. Now I'm going to fix it. And how am I going to fix it? And that's when you just kind of put your head down and your problem-solving pants come on. And you're like, all right, I got this. And it's amazing. Like, I surprise myself all the time with, with things that you know, have happened and it's just how you roll with it. And I think that's just production as well is, is being able to be like, okay, what's plan B? Cause that's constantly how it is. And repping things are constantly changing. Um, but I think that's, what's always helped me is just being honest and being like, I've messed up now I'm going to solve it and I'm going to do it cheapest way possible. <laughs> so it doesn't cost you any more money. Um, and you know what? It's been successful. It's worked for me um, for years, and I, I just continue with that. I, as I said, honesty is the best policy. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I'm just dying to know what hotel said okay. <laughs> a really sketchy one on Kingston Road. <laughs> <laughs> and it was super cheap and under budget, so I was like, so. <laughs> they probably seem weirder. <laughs> exactly. They're like, cougars? No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, go for it. Um, question comes around a bit. Uh, I work a lot in the tech industry, but I find the creative industry and the tech industry uh, move equally quickly. Uh, and then my question is around uh, getting old um, and how to really stay relevant with how fast things evolve and how quickly things change. Um, and as you go, as you know, within your career, uh, and if you're an individual contributor, like a photographer, how do you, how would you, what, what advice would you give to stay relevant with something that, you know, like it's like having a kid or whatnot, you know, you try to do that cool dad or whatever, um, but you're not, right? How, how do you do that in your career uh, besides hiring people out that are younger and, and, and can speak to that like what, what would be your advice uh, around, uh, around get, getting older and, and being relevant? So. That's a really great point, and everyone goes through that, but there's always still Jay-Z's, and there's always still Pharrell's, and there's always still people making art and getting older. Um, I think that's the thing we talked about earlier, is being true. Like when you create art, and you know, I am nowhere close to being a cool dad, nor will I ever. Uh, my kid's cute, but I can say that. But when you're when you're... When you're really, again, like, that's the only thing you have is your work, you know, like, when you're trying to chase it as much as possible, I think you try to, you know, you realize that you go with it, and, you know, just feel it as much as possible when you're aging, like, who cares, you know, honestly, it's a number, like, the more, like, yeah, you try, I don't know if you try to stay relevant, I don't know if I try to stay relevant, honestly, and that's actually one thing I, I do do, because a lot of people say, like, you know, on your Instagram, just focus on doing, like, really nice, like, long exposures to Toronto, you'll blow up, I don't Cool, that's that's great, but I don't like just doing that. I like to photograph other things, whether like just photograph bands or whatever, maybe why. Like I, I rather do stuff that I like and I you know, I guess me excited. I think the more we do that and try to do that, you know, again, try. We're not always gonna get there, but we try. Um we don't, you know, it, you know, I'll, I'll definitely, I'm not, how am I even sitting here? Like I don't know what you know what I mean? Like we all try to keep going and we always will, but like, Gage, I don't know, whatever. Fuck it. 
I mean, I try and take, I look at, you know, I kind of, I try and jump around every few years from job to job. So I usually work in-house creatively. So, you know, I only can get so much from one place. And when I set out my career, I was like, well, I'm just going to be a print designer. Like, I only want to work in magazines. I only want to do, you know, and I don't have no interest in digital, like whatever, which is stupid. <laughs> uh, but you quickly realize, well, I need a website to like promote myself. And like, I'm too poor as like a young junior designer to like hire someone. So you just kind of have to learn it and you have to adapt. And, you know, yes, I can, at a certain point in your career, you can you know, farm it out to somebody else, but you still want to know what you're capable of, like what's capable out there, even though you're not executing it yourself. Um, so I always try and education is kind of key for me. I want to, I get really bored if I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. And will I ever be, uh, you know, you know, UX designer? No, but like, I also know that content is going to be living, you know, on mobile devices. So you have to be aware of how is our platform going to scale artwork and, you know, type on from the print to the web to like mobile. Yeah, I, I would say five years ago, six years ago, that probably wouldn't have been even a big concern for me. But within the industry, like technology is pushing us in that direction. And, you know, I think everyone, especially on the media side, is trying to struggle with how do we, you know, keep up with technology and stay relevant. So I had to just kind of adapt to that as well. And I enjoy learning, so I try and keep up with it. But, you know, there will obviously be experts in the field that are more capable of doing it. At a certain point, you're just gonna have to, you know, hire somebody else. But as long as you can speak some broken language with them, like what you know is capable out there, I think that's important. So that's why I always try and focus on and struggle with. But um, I think it's a mix for me. It's a mix of, kind of keeping an eye out of what's happening in pop culture because photography is heavily influenced by that as well. Um, the creatives and art directors are younger and younger nowadays. Um, you know, creative can show up on set and they're 22 years old, fresh out of school and, and they're art directing your creative um, or your project. So I think a lot of that comes from the collaboration as well. Um, me personally, with with that, I try not to get too caught up in the trends, and it's more so how do we create timeless imagery, where, you know, looking at an image 15 years from now, it still looks relevant, it doesn't look dated, and it still kind of speaks to you, and I think a lot of, the just speaking for, for my roster, is a lot of that is like that, because I'll go back and I'm like, oh my god, this is such a, one of my favorite images, and I'm like, you know what, it's the oldest one, they, they shot this years ago, but I'm like, it's still one of my favorites, so I think when you get too caught up in the trendiness, you kind of lose yourself a bit and, and try to pay attention to that. I think it's nice to keep an eye out and be in the loop, so to say, but I think you have to always come back to what you're all about in order to, in, ironically enough, like still be trendy and, and true to what you want. For sure. Uh, yeah, and I'll take one last question. Okay. Uh, so recently there was a company who released uh, 10,000 stock photos free to use. And the interesting thing about it was that it was all completely computer generated. Um, there are also fashion influencers on Instagram who have hundreds of thousands of followers and are completely digital. Uh, what are your thoughts on computational photography? and sort of the automation of the creative industry where the next image you make has a marginal cost of zero. You don't need to deal with pesky uh, 
model releases, like stuff like that. It's true, and you know what, we experience that as well. It's what we used to shoot, you know, they weigh out costs, and they're like, you know what, we're just going to build this in CG because... And to be honest, sometimes that's our suggestion. What they're asking for is just not possible to execute to meet their level of, of what they're looking for or how specific it may be. And, and sometimes our suggestion is, you know, maybe do this in CG, you'll have full control, you'll have this for a while. So I think it depends with each project, but it is affecting um, how people um, execute for sure. Um, but I think there's always a need for both. Um, a lot of, um, Creatives now are going to illustration, so it's a mix between photography, illustration, CG, and sometimes um, a project can be all three and be all-encompassing of that. Um, so it, it depends, but yeah, it's definitely, I can see the trend, I can see how it's moving. Um, they used to shoot a lot of cars, and now a yeah. lot of cars are done in CG. Yeah. Um, they don't need to ship, they don't need detailers, they, they don't need any of that anymore. Oh, it's real. It's very real. <clears throat> I'm actually, I'm actually shooting a, a a car shoot next week for a car company. That's not a car. It's their shoe. Um, yeah. So exactly because the shoe, the car is all computerized, like that, that image. But we're shooting a shoe that's going with the car to you know marketing, right? Um, yeah. So it's real. No, it's to it'll happen. But I think we have all said this. And the echoes will always be there. The film is still around. You'll still want a photo for, or, you know, art, whatever we're talking about, but the real will still matter when, you know, someone really has, a, you know, a, a need or, or a want for, for creating that. Like, and I always said that with magazines and, and books too, they'll always exist, I feel. It might just be a luxury item eventually because a certain person has an interest in this one niche or whatever it may be and might become more niche-like. I think that's fine. It's evolution, you know, that's, that's part of it. Um, and again, maybe art will just get better, you know, like, you know, as... We can focus on other things and our lives become easier in other routes, you know. They do say, like, the best art comes from the shittiest times, right? Like, Trump is, is probably helping some art around the world right now. Um, but, you know, like, I think we have to accept it and be with it. And, 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 and like you were saying with tech, too, like, we have to work with it, you know what I mean? You can't, you can't just, like, oh, no, the, the future is here. Like, well, we're part of it, you know. Like, we are probably the last generation right before the internet and now with the internet like that's kind of cool too so let's let's adapt to it and go with it and try to make the best of it and maybe the robots will make us you know my ties eventually be nice yeah. <laughs> awesome and on that note i want to thank uh, Lindsay, colin and ryan for uh, coming out on this uh rainy weather and you guys for I know you guys could have been at home watching Netflix or something, but um, yeah, thank you so much for coming out. Um, if you guys have any other questions, uh, feel free to uh, come up and talk to our panelists. But uh, thank you so much. There's more beers in the back, and yeah, and <laughs> feel free, go for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.